Welcome to the Alcohol Minimalist Podcast. I'm your host, Molly Watts. If you want to change your drinking habits and create a peaceful relationship with alcohol, you're in the right place. This podcast explores the strategies I use to overcome a lifetime of family alcohol abuse, more than 30 years of anxiety and worry about my own drinking, and what felt like an unbreakable daily drinking habit. Becoming an alcohol minimalist means removing excess alcohol from your life so it doesn't remove you from life. It means being able to take alcohol or leave it without feeling deprived. It means to live peacefully, being able to enjoy a glass of wine without feeling guilty and without needing to finish the bottle. With science on our side, we'll shatter your past patterns and eliminate your excuses. Changing your relationship with alcohol is possible. I'm here to help you do it. Let's start now. Well, hello and welcome or welcome back to the Alcohol Minimalist Podcast with me, your host, Molly Watts, coming to you from kind of a cloudy Oregon. We are back to some cooler, definitely feeling more fall-like weather around here in Oregon. And dare I say, I'm actually kind of enjoying it. This is odd for me because I am a true sun lover, but I don't know. It's, you know, pumpkin spice, it's football. I'm looking for that really cold, crisp morning. Uh, No rain yet. I'd like the rain to hold off. (laughs) Really forever, but doesn't happen around here. So today on the podcast, well, first of all, let me just tell you all that you're getting to experience something new and exciting here on the Alcohol Minimalist podcast today. I am actually um, editing this uh, this episode myself. So if it sounds really wonky, I apologize because um, I, my editor had some, uh, uh, well, her she had an event this week that that not an event, a, a life circumstance that came up that really prevented her from being able to help audit edit this week. So of course, I said, no worries, I will figure it out myself. So hopefully it sounds all okay. Luckily, I had an interview scheduled. And that interview is with Akshay Nanavati. Um, Akshay Nanavati is a Marine Corps veteran, an adventurer and an entrepreneur. This from his bio in his book. Uh, After he overcame drug addiction in high school, he was a Marine. He went to Iraq. And when he came back home, he struggled with alcoholism and then got, learned how to heal his own brain. And he went on to spend years studying neuroscience, psychology, and spirituality. And this led him to write Virvana. That is what we are talking about today. His book, called Firvana. It is the revolutionary science of how to turn fear into health, wealth, and happiness. I think you are really going to love this conversation. And here it is with Akshay Nanavati. Hi, Akshay. Thank you so much for being here on the Alcohol Minimalist Podcast. I am just super excited to talk with you and share Firvana with all of my listeners. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So in the intro, which I just gave, I talked about the title of the book. So the revolutionary science of how to turn fear into health, wealth, and happiness. That's a pretty broad, that's a pretty big, bold uh, title. 
Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. tell me kind of where this came from. What the, you know, how did Fearvana become? Yeah, the, the birth of it kind of, I would say it began when I moved to the US. Not obviously, I didn't know it at the time, but looking back on my life now, this is what led to everything that is Fearvana today. I moved to, I was born in India. I moved to the US at the age of 13. And soon after moving here, I got very heavily into drugs, into alcohol. Mm. I lost two friends to, to they OD'd. I was kind of heading down that path. I used to, I still have these scars on my arm from cutting myself, oh, wow. burning Yikes. myself, very wow. self-destructive. I mean, did many things where it's a wonder that I made it out alive, but yeah, I did. And the movie Black Hawk Down was the trigger that changed yeah. my life. You've seen the movie? Okay, I have, yeah. Yeah, powerful movie, war movie based very. on a story. And watching that movie, watching these scenes of men sacrificing their lives for another human being, putting their lives on the line, giving everything yeah. and that level of courage, that compassion, that, that just, that, that self-sacrifice was awe-inspiring. And almost overnight, I stopped doing drugs, decided to join the Marines. It took me about a year and a half to join the Marines because I have a blood disorder that two doctors told me would kill me in boot camp. So I had to oh, sort wow. of fight my way into the Marines. Uh, but it was a post 9-11 military, post 9-11 world. So here's a young, dumb kid wants to go in infantry. We'll find a way for him. So, <laughs> so I managed to get in. And the Marines is where I first started to learn the beauty of struggle, the beauty of suffering, of fear. You know, Marine Corps training was hard. Boot camp was hard. Yeah. Infantry school was hard. And I suffered, but I loved it. I was, it wasn't so much a suffering, but it was the transcendence of that suffering. You know, you're, you're tapping into something in the human spirit, in the human soul to rise above that struggle. And that was beautiful, you know, to, to figure that out. And yeah. after joining the Marines, I got big into, I was looking for now other ways to test myself. And before this, to also be clear, like I was scared of everything. I was scared of Ferris wheels, of heights, of open water. I was scared of like, not even roller coasters, like Ferris wheels, right? Like everything right. terrified me. And so I began systematically facing these fears. I went skydiving, scuba diving, rock climbing with and without the safety of a rope, mountain climbing, like you name it. Nature sort of became my playground to explore my fears and ultimately face them. And again, I didn't know this at the time, but this was all the birthing ground for what is now Fearvana, right? Okay. And um and then in 2007, I was deployed to Iraq as an infantry Marine, where one of my jobs out there was to walk in front of our vehicles looking for bombs before they could be used to kill me and my fellow Marines. Wow. That dangerous has to job. be a super intense experience. It was a, it, yeah, dangerous job to say the least, you know, and among other jobs in, an, in a counterinsurgency warfare environment. So obviously an intense experience, but once again, learning how to face fear, finding Strangely, there was a kind of peace I found even in war to the point that when I came back home, I struggled with this world. I didn't, I wanted to go back to war. I didn't get my chance to go. So uh, over the years, I, you know, found a corporate job and gradually just demons starting to rise. I lost a friend in the war, struggled with survivor's guilt. I started drinking and drinking to the point that, you know, first one day, two days to the point that at my worst, I was downing 750 milliliter bottles of vodka every day for days on end. I mean, wow. I'd be throwing up and then drinking as soon as I stopped throwing up again till one morning after a five-day binge, I was on the seconds away from slitting my own wrist, looking at a kit knife mm. in the kitchen. And that was, you know, as you can imagine, a rock bottom. Yeah. It wasn't a smooth climb out of the abyss, but that was the, the journey that started it. And I went deep into neuroscience, into psychology, into spirituality, doing that inner work, confronting my own demons, facing them. 
to eventually what then led me to Fearvana. And this idea, because the whole ethos of it was to combat the demonization of what we have framed as quote unquote negative emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, I was told I had PTSD, that I had post-traumatic stress disorder. We, de- mm-hmm. we deem stress as bad. We think anxiety is bad. We think fear is bad. And I started to re- recognize that these things are not bad. They're just mm-hmm. part of the human experience. Like I had post-traumatic right. stress. I felt, I felt survivor's guilt. I was jumpy with loud noises. I didn't like crowds. These were, but these were not a disorder. This was just a normal human response to a war zone where your brain learns to associate loud noises with death. Right. It's a normal response. So by releasing that identity of disorder, that label of disorder, I started to accept and sort of normalize and be with the stress. And it's uncomfortable. It's extremely uncomfortable, but it's not bad, right? These are not bad experiences or bad emotions. And, and that fundamental recognition that there are no bad emotions, there are no bad experiences. They are just experiences and they're just emotions. And it's mm-hmm. entirely up to us to decide what we do with them. And by reframing that, by reframing our relationship to fear, through stress, it, it led into this ethos of fearvana that fear is not the antithesis of nirvana, but the access point to it. You know, and that fear, stress, suffering, pain, these can all be. And in fact, in my life today, to this day, I do very, very scary things from skiing in Antarctica, where I lost a finger to frostbite last year, to running ultra marathons, to climbing mountains in the Himalayas, to, you know, many dangerous pursuits where I'm constantly terrified, to cave diving. And now facing them, engaging struggle, I've kind of found my peace. And there's a level of bliss you find when you push yourself into these realms. And that's yeah. kind of the fundamental ethos of Fearvana is to help people develop a positive relationship to suffering of any kind and then use it to find, live, and love their own path, whatever it may be. Okay. Wow. So there's a bit to unpack Not here. There. So yeah. first of all, okay, all good. So first of all, um, something that you said about this, so the negative emotions. I talk a lot about negative emotions around here because as you can imagine, right? many people that turn to alcohol are turning and using alcohol as a way to buffer away Mm -hmm. negative emotions like stress and anger Mm -hmm. and fear and, you know, anxiety, you name it, right? We do label those negative type emotions and people are looking to for ways to escape them. They Mm -hmm. don't want to allow Mm -hmm. them into their lives. So Mm -hmm. I talk a lot about the ability to allow those emotions and also understanding how we can can create a different story for them. And that's kind of what I hear you saying. It's the story that we tell ourselves about these emotions that really make them worse than they already are. Right. So like we can like tell ourselves how terrible this experience is, or we can find value in what the experience is and understand. Plus bottom line is that life is going to be like, you know, 50, 50, right. It's not going to be all good. Yeah, (laughs) It, It certainly cannot be. And so I know in uh, in the book, one of the things that I really valued was this idea of embracing a worthy struggle, mm-hmm. right? So not adding to our suffering with stories and labels and ideas about what we should do or can't do or how this experience should be, but really interpreting our opportunity, or, you know, finding opportunities to embrace a worthy struggle. Mm-hmm. So tell me more about that. And then also I want to hear, so like one of the things that I just want to be clear, so everybody else understands, we don't all have to be adrenaline junkies, right? <laughs> to go get to like, to like get the benefits of Fearvana. Absolutely not. And I, and thank you for clarifying <laughs> that. I, I like to highlight that point. Like my way is not the only way. And to your point right. about the worthy struggle, like everything I stress, and I know when people hear my story, they're like, 
and, and I repeatedly need to point out, so I'm glad you did that. It's I'm not saying you need to go run ultra marathons or ski in Antarctica to find some sort of bliss or enlightenment. It's about finding your own worthy struggle, whatever it may right. be. You know, it might be raising a child. It might be playing the guitar. It might be singing music, like whatever it may be. We all have our own worthy struggle. And I call it a worthy struggle because it will be hard, you know, and right. any worthy, any worthy pursuit is going to be hard. And to your point that you brought up earlier, about like you're, you're going to have to deal with that. You almost want to, because, you know, I've gone through a period of my life when I came back from the war that I was numb to all emotions, you know, mm. and being numb is not a healthy way to live life. It's not a good way to life, to, to live, to experience this, this, the beauty, the adventure of the human condition. And so with, with, with highs, if you want to experience jo joy, you're going to have to experience pain, right? The, the high, you can't have a summit without a valley. Otherwise, it's all just right. flat ground. And so the ups and downs is really what makes the roller coaster and the adventure of life worth living. And that's why I call it a worthy struggle. Because And when you change your relationship to it, when you start to accept that fear is not the enemy. And it's literally as simple as just choosing not to demonize it. Like I'll give you a concrete example. Mm -hmm. I worked with this client once who was flying to Iceland for a solo, uh, just a, a vacation. And he was super scared. It was the first time sort of going on vacation on his own. And he was beating himself up. He was looking at me doing the crazy things I do. And he's like, you know, you do all these things climbing the Himalayas and, you're, and, and yet here I am being scared, just going on a chill vacation in Iceland. His problem was not the fear. He, because he had never been on a solo vacation. I used to be scared of these things. I'm not anymore because I have now developed more references. So my brain says, okay, look, this thing is not scary anymore. So we don't have to kind of worry about it. But in right. other things, it's scared of. So my level of what induces fear is different than yours and anybody's. We're all different. But it's not that his problem was not that he was scared of going to Iceland on his own. His problem was he deemed himself unworthy and he was judging himself for that. So when you accept that, hey, it's okay. I mean, I sometimes to this day, I live in a very nice neighborhood in a nice place. I'll get scared just being in the house alone. And, and, you know, it's kind of crazy because I do a lot of insane things. And yet here I am being scared in a nice home. And the, the thing is, I've gotten to a point now, I don't care when fear shows up. I don't care if it's there. I'm scared of most things I do, but you will develop over time by practicing it. Like it's okay. The fear is there. The stress is there. The anxiety is there. Whatever the thing is there. It's not bad. Even guilt, for example. Everybody told me not to feel guilty. And look, rationally, I get it, right? You can't control what happens in war. Bullets fly where they fly. It happens. But emotionally, I didn't. I couldn't make that guilt go away. And then I realized that, look, guilt is not the problem. My guilt was just an expression of love. It was an expression of love for my brother. So I learned to use it. For a long time, I actually had a picture of my friend that I lost in the war up on my wall. And it said, this should have been you. Earn this life. Hey, everyone, just a quick break in the show to talk with you about Sunnyside. Now you've heard me talk about Sunnyside on the show before. I've had Nick and Ian, the founders, here as my guests. I am just so impressed with them. They are deeply mission-driven. They are building a service to help millions of people create a healthier relationship with alcohol with no pressure to quit or feel guilty. So you know they are very aligned with everything I talk about here at Alcohol Minimalist. I wanted to share with you some thoughts and comments made by people in my group and my clients who use Sunnyside. I checked it out and was pleasantly surprised. I have used a few tracking apps and despised them. But the support, the daily check-ins, and the plan, yes, the plan. I signed up for three months yesterday and actually looked forward to the check-in today. I have no doubt this tool is a step forward for me. 
I just want to thank you to everyone who recommended Sunnyside in this group and all of your advice throughout. I'm having the best start to a week of moderating since I fell off the wagon in January. You work the plan and it works. Thank you, everyone. Now, you don't have to take my word for it. You don't have to take their word for it. I want you to check it out for yourself. Go to www.sunnyside.co slash minimalist to get started on a free trial today. My guilt became my fuel, you know? So any emotion when consciously engaged can be a, a source of value and, and empower you in that worthy struggle. But the key is it has to be yours. Like if you asked me to go play chess today, I'd be like, I don't care. That's not my thing. You know, uh, mm-hmm. some similarly, a chess player might be like, I don't want to go drag tires for two hours, you know? So when it's your worthy struggle, it will light that fire in your soul to, to make the struggle worthwhile. All right. I love that. So this whole idea. So you, I talk a lot about there's there's these primal kind of emotions, right? These so fear is one of those I talk about like the six primal emotions. They're more like the the emotions that stem they they were part of that lower brain that we evolved, you know, that the mammals evolved so that they could create the mm-hmm. kind of emotional connections. And I know you talk a lot about lower brain, higher brain too yeah. in the book. I also work a lot with people to understand that that those primitive responses are survival instincts that that flare up that really don't have a basis in our real worlds today, right? They're still reacting in some sort of yeah. instinctual survival mode way when we really don't need to be in, you know, there's no, we're not threatened right now. We're not talking yeah. about war, obviously, but we're talking about here on a daily basis. The other opportunity that I have or that I talk about with people is the ability to actually redirect and create the emotions that we want to have in our lives by how we think. So our thoughts actually create our feelings as opposed to just, you know, it being the other way around so that we're having to just interpret what's coming up from inside. Yeah. How does that, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like you have the ability to kind of create how you feel on the inside with how you think? Great question. So I think it's a bit of both in my take. Like the way you look at it is there's two separate entities. There's the mind and the brain. So the brain is the physical thing. And you don't like, for example, if somebody came into this room right now with a gun while I'm sitting here talking to you, right? My brain would respond with fear. Right. Normal response. I'm not choosing that response. It's a normal response. But what I do with that is my choice, right? That that's where the, the, so the mind is the, and you can also look in neuroplasticity, they call it like top down versus bottom up neuroplasticity, right? Through thinking through top down through conscious effort, I can control the feeling and it'll ultimately change what physically happens in my brain. Right. But simultaneously, my brain is also reacting and responding to the stimuli of the world, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you want to accept and embrace both sides of that. And that's what coming back to what I was saying earlier about letting go of the demonization of the emotion. And then right. once I accept this emotion is there, okay, I'm scared now. I'm feeling fear. I'm feeling guilt. I'm feeling sad. Whatever the emotion. Okay, got it. I'm feeling it, but I don't have to let it define my actions. What am I going to do with it? And to your point, and that's when through the conscious effort, I can now change the experience. I can change the emotion. I can control my experience of reality through mm-hmm. the will, through conscious effort. And so that duality can coexist. A great way to, to actually understand this is this concept that I talk about in the book of second dart syndrome. So mm-hmm. second darts, yeah. 
Yeah. So Buddha said, we're all stabbed with the two darts of suffering. The first dart is the one I don't control. So somebody comes in here with the gun. I'm feeling fear. I'm not choosing that. My brain responds. The second dart, that's our point of power. What do I do with that? What's my conversation around that fear? Like going back to that example of my client, you know, he can say, okay, it's okay to feel the fear, but that's not who I am. This is enough to define me. I'm choosing to step into the fear. And actually that's a reflection of my courage and using that experience of as, as a, as a tool to, to drive you forward. Like to this day, I'm terrified of going back to Antarctica, terrified. I literally feel fear on a daily basis knowing what waits me out there. And I kid you not, that's not an exaggeration when I say on Are a daily. Are you going back? I am going back, yes. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going back to do something quite big out there. I'll be spending 110 days alone in, in Antarctica, the most hostile environment on the planet. Skiing for The mission is to ski for 17, uh, 1,700 miles across the entire continent, which will be the first ever human-powered crossing of the continent once once accomplished. And needless to say, especially after losing a finger out there, I am absolutely terrified. Wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm kind of terrified for you. I'm going to try not to be, but wow. Wow. That is um, okay. Again, not, no, it, I don't it, have to, everybody just, just, take you don't years. absolutely don't have to do that. Don't have exactly. to do it. <laughs> it's not the only path to bliss or to enlightenment <laughs> or to, to finding meaning in this existence, but that's my path. Right. And the point is to say though, like my fear is something that I want. My fear kills complacency. Like I'm scheduled to go after we speak here to drag tires for two hours. And I'll be very honest with you. I do not want to go today. <laughs> right, <tired>. sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's like hundred degrees outside. I'm in Phoenix. But that fear of what awaits me, it drives me to get out that door. And I will get mm -hmm. out that door this evening, you know? So mm -hmm. fear is beautiful when you leverage it, when you exercise it, it can drive you into purposeful action and you can, and it can, it can move you forward from a place of power when consciously engaged from that point of power, which is the second dart. Yeah. And we have to become aware of it because if without that, our fears, our fears can lead us into other things that aren't so great. Right. I mean, In, like, like, absolutely that's the, the, the downside. If we don't become more conscious of it, if we don't understand some of the value in these less, you know, these whatever fear and other type emotions that people tend to want to avoid, yeah. um, that then that's where we get into trouble. I mean, that's it. It's a great point. I was just speaking to my students in my program earlier today about this, that you, if you, if you avoid, if you avoid that point of pain, the fear, the stress, the, the, the trauma, whatever the thing is, it's going to live in with you, within you and control your actions anyway. Like as Carl Jung put it profoundly, um, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Right. And yeah. I love that quote and it beautifully summarized. Yeah. As he also said, people will do anything no matter how absurd to avoid confronting their own soul. And so we do everything to escape that feeling. And the thing is, it feels good in the second, like this feels horribly uncomfortable. So I'm going to run away from it, but it's only that's that vision. And we all kind of know this, that, that, that it's only going to lead you deeper and deeper into the pit. But if you face that discomfort for a minute, if you face it and look, you're going to have to keep facing it because you might be scared today. And then you con you conquered it today. You faced it. If you got gotten out of it and tomorrow shows up again, you're going to have to keep facing it. But over time, it'll transform your entire relationship and you build new patterns in the brain. You're literally physically building a different yeah. brain. Like how I think today about the world is not how I thought about it three years ago in every context, you know? And so yep, yep. that changes over time through through the will, through conscious effort. But you have to first sit with that discomfort. And that's why I love that you brought that up. You got to sit with that discomfort. Like I'll give you another example of this. I did this interview with uh, Dr. Drew a few years ago and somebody had called in. She, had going, she was going through PTSD from the Boston bombing. 
you know, we were sharing some, some things that might help. And at one point I said to her, you know, when you feel, when you hear a noise, how do you kind of respect and she, react? And she was like, that, that like she feels anxiety. And so she wants to kind of run away from it. I said, I want you next time that happens just to kind of sit with it. And I said something along these lines and she goes, but that's really hard. And I go, exactly. I know it's really hard, but that's, that's the way through it. Like you can't get over those symptoms of post post-traumatic stress. You can't move through it without facing that, you know? Yeah. And, and I, and I, I don't blame her. Like we all want to get out of that because it's horribly uncomfortable but if you if you escape it, you're it's you're gonna live your li- rest of that life in that pit, and it's gonna control you. Yeah, I say I tell my people all around here all the time. You know, we can do hard things. We have yeah. to just tell ourselves we can do hard things. You know, and you gotta build way. your way up. Yeah. I didn't I didn't ski across, and I wasn't born like this. Like I was. I, I <laughs> I'm glad of, to know. Yeah, you. <laughs> you know, and I really like off? to stress that point. Yeah, because people think like, oh, this, this dude is just some crazy dude. He's and it's I'm not. Like <laughs> I used to be terrified of Ferris wheels. I didn't even like running the 200 meters. Forget about running ultra marathons. You know what I mean? So right? you build yourself the ladder of risk one inch at a time. All right. So everybody listening up, this is this is real life podcasting. Poor Akshay just had to listen to me tell the dogs to be quiet here so that we could go back to our podcast recording. Oh, it's the reality of of real life podcasting. So I want to hear a little bit more from you, Akshay, if I can, about your how about your alcohol use? Because I know you you mentioned that when you came back from Iraq, you were severely addicted or you, you know, you were so, but we also have said that you kind of, you got over that (laughs) Uh, or you told me before we got on, on to this call that you, that you didn't go like you recovery isn't a thing for you. I mean, that wasn't what happened. You didn't go into a program and you really started this whole process by overcoming that. Yeah. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Yeah. I didn't, I did not go, uh, go to to rehab, you know, at first, I tried to moderate it for a little bit and I was, and this is not to say like my path is the only path. I know people today who used to drink heavily stopped and now they're able to moderate and they're totally fine. Like they might have one glass of wine and they're great. Like everybody can, you got to find your own journey. Right. But for me, as, as evidenced by the things that I'm doing, going to Antarctica, I'm not really good at moderation. <laughs> I discovered. So I tried, it didn't work because everyone saw a trigger would hit and I would drink heavily again. And so I was like, all right, this is not working for me. And I don't like, there's no reason it's not doing anything good in my life. Why do mm-hmm. I need it? So, you know, like I was never had a problem being social, like there's just no reason to, to, so I stopped and, uh, it was a journey. I've broken my sobriety multiple times. Uh, and, uh, but it's, and that's the, that's the thing. It's like the work doesn't ever stop like that inner work. Right. And this is, I think the, one of the hardest things that I notice more and more in my work from having worked with people as a coach and, and even now the work I do in my programs is that we think that, okay, one day I overcame this demon or I like beat this and I, I did awesome, but the next day it'll show up and the next day it'll show up and the next yeah. day it'll show up or the next week it'll show up, the next month it'll show up, right? Whatever it is. But the thing is that work, that inner work is relentless. And if you embrace like it, and I don't mean to make that sound bleak, like that shouldn't sound like oh, that's so hard. It's actually a beautiful thing because it, it's in that work that you find the bliss. Like it's in the work yeah. that, and you have to practice that. Like it's, it, it's embracing that. But recognizing that the the day-to-day process of fighting one demon at a time, overcoming one problem at a time, like I always say that progress is not the elimination of problems. Progress is the creation of new problems. You're never going to get there, quote unquote, there. We always think (laughs) once I get there, the million dollars, the house, the car, the sobriety, the relationship, then everything will be golden and something else will pop up. But that's okay. You know, it's in overcoming of each problem, each, each battle that you find a new awakening. You find something new within yourself. 
And again, that's not going to happen overnight, but over time you build that pattern. As I said, I'm, I don't want to go out and drag tires later today. You know that, so that still shows up, even though I'm a pretty, right. I'm pretty consistent at exercising very, very hard, but it still right. shows up that I'm like days where I just don't want to do it. And then you got to fight that, you know? So yeah. that work is where, is where the, um, the, the awakenings happen, where the, the bliss happens. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you because I, I tell people all the time, you know, this is a, I, I talk about creating a peaceful relationship with alcohol and that's for me where I'm at. I have a peaceful relationship with my deceased mother who was an alcoholic and I have a, my own, I don't crave alcohol. I don't desire alcohol. I don't turn to alcohol to when I have a, when I have a stressful moment. Right. Yeah. But the work that I really mastered through all of that was the mastery of my own, of that, my own thinking of my own mind. And that is really what we're talking about. And yeah. that is a continual process. That is something that I am never going to be perfect at, and I'm not finished at. But what's wonderful about this work and about really understanding the neuroscience, really understanding and diving into it all and understanding the brain and the consciousness and the mind is that you do have the power and the mm -hmm. agency to mm -hmm. create that story for yourself. Mm -hmm. And really, for me, I really just didn't understand. I used to look around and blame the circumstances of my life for mm -hmm. everything that was how I felt, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. every, it was everything else <laughs> around me. And instead of understanding that there was actually uh, my own version of, you know, my decision on what I, how I interpreted the things that were going on around me that was creating these feelings of whatever, you know, the negative feelings that I was having, yeah. like I had an opportunity to actually change my perspective. Now, for me, like, I'm grateful for the journey that I had with my mother, right? Because if I didn't have that, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have had all the things that I've created and done from that. And yeah. I feel like it's the purpose, right? It's my purpose was I'm telling or or helping her story end mm. in a better way than it did. And I'm hopefully going to help other people change the story and, and change the endings to their own stories with alcohol. So yeah. I think that that's, but I, what, but you know, I don't know how you feel about this, but I say, you know, I'm not some special snowflake. Everybody has the opportunity to do this. It's really all about how we learn about our brains, how we learn about our minds and how we, choose to think about our lives exactly yeah the the meanings we create to our reality to your point right like you could look at the things that happened and feel victimized by it uh or you can choose it to see that there's meaning in it like same thing with my all the whatever i've been through in my life it's right. you know and, and i get it that sometimes it's easy to look back and say this is a gift but sometimes when we're in it it's hard to do that but sure. when you actually start to and that's why the very core essence of fear of honor like my fundamental mantra that guides me is the words suffer well when you develop a positive relationship to suffering, that's that's how you transform your life because then it won't matter whether life hits you hard or whether you're seeking that worthy struggle, you're seeking a challenge, you'll be able to enjoy the, the, the suffering in the process, the struggle in the process. And that's how you find meaning in it. That's how you find beauty in it. And you turn, whether it be a past suffering or whether it be something you're going through right now, there's a gift in that if you choose to see it. But it is a choice. And that choice has to be made over and over and over and over again, right? But yeah. it's a choice and it becomes you the more you make it. It becomes the very essence of your soul the more you make it. But we we get to create our own reality. I mean, that to your point about the agency, you know? 
That's how, and I had to do that same work to, 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 to battle my uh, demons that were driving me to alcohol. It was avoiding, it was escaping, it was running away from, you know, and, uh, and I had to face those demons. I mean, I did, I'm not saying everybody again has to do this, but I went into seven days of darkness, like, and then not, a few months ago, I did 10 days of darkness where I spent 10 days in complete darkness, silence, and isolation, like just in a completely dark room. You literally cannot see your hand in front of you darkness just to be still within and see what will show up. It was a profoundly beautiful experience. <laughs> wow. I have so many questions about that, but I'm, they're mostly not very appropriate. So I'll just say, okay, wow. Um, huh. Yeah. Well, okay. So tell me more about now. So the book's out. I know mean, the book's been out for a few years now. You've got a lot other stuff going on, coaching programs. We've got, you know, things that you're, you're um, things that you're doing with people. You've got these side adventures and expeditions that you're doing yourself. So tell me more about what the mission moving forward is for Firvana. So now with Firvana, yeah, we have, I mean, the long-term, our, our goal is to build this whole ecosystem of products and services under this ethos of Firvana to help people do those kind of three things. First, transform their relationship to struggle in order to find, live, and love their worthy struggle. And that's kind of life, right? If I find my mm -hmm. path, live that path, and love the journey, that's the essence to a, a blissful, meaningful life. And so we currently have like a Fearvana Fuel supplement line. I have digital training programs called the Fear Chasers Alliance, where I right. go deep into mindset stuff around everything under the umbrella of mastery and growth. Uh, we are launching a Fearvana clothing line. We're going to eventually launch like Fearvana Fitness, Fearvana Adventures, Fearvana Retreats, like this whole ecosystem under the umbrella. And that's the business and the brand. And I've partnered with people way smarter than myself in the various categories. And my role is kind of to be the face of Fearvana. And I also do these expeditions on the, uh, um, I wouldn't even say on the side, they're more sometimes a full-time job training for them yeah. than the work. But I'm like, I would call myself an adventurer and explorer as well. So I've done all kinds of things from again, mountaineering to, I was in Antarctica last year, as I mentioned, went, went up to Denali in Alaska the year before I was just in Iceland. I wasn't doing the 10 day darkness retreat, uh, just various, these kind of expeditions on the edge of the human experience, you know, on the edge of the soul and uh, finding wisdom that I can then bring, bring back into this, into the, into this realm, if you will, and use that wisdom I gained from the edge in order to help other people navigate their own darkness and bring light into their own darkness, whatever it may be. So I'm kind of now sort of the face of the brand. And then I partner with people to, to run the business side of things uh, in the, in the identity. And we want to grow into this this global, um, I mean, we already are global, but really grow into this massive thing all over the, all over the globe where, I mean, everybody suffers. Right. And I think our collective relationship to suffering is very unhealthy, which is what creates more suffering. So yep. I think Nirvana is, um, I don't mean to say, say this egotistically or arrogantly at all, but sort of the cure for the greatest ailment in the human condition, which is our negative relationship to suffering. Because if you solve that, then it, then life is blissful. And ultimately at the core of why we do anything we do, whether it's like making money, getting a job, getting a house, whatever, is to be happy, fulfilled, inner peace, whatever word you want to use, right? And when right. you fall in love with suffering, you inevitably create that. And that's what we want to do is help people give, the, give them the tools, the resources, the insight, the awareness to create that life of bliss and meaning, whatever it may be for each person. Wow. Again, a pretty big, bold mission as well. Absolutely. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, okay. Well, we will link all of that in the show notes, folks. So I will link on how, what's the easiest way for folks to find you? Uh, you can find me on um, the social media platform I use most is Instagram, Fearvana. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I also have my website, fearvana.com, and the book is on Amazon in uh, paperback, Kindle, Audible. 100% of the profits in the book go to charity, so we support many beautiful causes as well. Yep, and folks, we'll also have a, we're going to, I'll have a link to the Fear Chasers Alliance as well, so you can learn more about that, especially for you thrill seekers out there. I bet you anybody, I bet you, I mean, not just thrill seekers, it's, but it's I bet there's- It's not at all just for thrill seekers. <laughs> but I got to- I got to yeah. imagine that if there's got to be some sort of, if there's going to be a retreat, I got to imagine it's going to be, there's got to be some sort of, you know. The eventual plan when we do the retreats is we'll have three levels. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> level three will be it. <laughs> level three, right? Yeah. Okay. But Just we'll work, work the way up. So that's the plan when we do start uh, the in-person retreats, but the alliances for anybody just who wants to yeah, grow. Yeah. It doesn't have to yeah. be ski grass Antarctica. Yeah. And mindset is, is everything folks, as you know, I talk about it all the time. So Akshay Nanavati, I really appreciate you stopping in, putting up with the barking dogs and, <laughs> um, you know, being here and sharing your wisdom with my audience. I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the alcohol minimalist podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you change your drinking habits and to create a peaceful relationship with alcohol. Use something you learned in today's episode and apply it to your life this week. Transformation is possible. You have the power to change your relationship with alcohol now. For more information, please visit me at www.mollywatts.com.